Paul Ince banned the words Man United from Reading FC's training ground this week, and yet the Royals showed they needed more than gimmicks to improve their away form as they suffered a 4-0 defeat at Stoke. Welcome to the Tireless M Podcast, episode 234. I'm your host, Mark Mayer. This is the podcast by Reading fans for Reading fans. We might just might have a couple of interested new listeners this week as we are going to be off to Old Trafford in a week's time and we will be talking plenty about Reading's trip to Manchester United in just a little bit. We'll also be reviewing the 4-0 defeat at Stoke. Um, In brief, I think it's probably best to say, and doing that with me this week is the view from the Dolan end. It is Ben Thomas. How's it going, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. Yeah, not too bad at all, really, for... um what is essentially a Monday in January. So yeah, it's uh, it's not been a good weekend for the club at all, really, but I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll get into that in due course. Yeah, I think a Monday in January is definitely the vibe of this <laughs> of this weekend so far. So yeah, we'll be getting on to Stoke in a little bit. We've got a bulging mailbag, always like having a bulging mailbag, full of questions about uh, what's going on at the moment. Bit of news bites as well, catch you up on what's been going on around the club. And yeah, then we'll end the show. If you're listening to this just to get the Man United stuff, it's a bit further towards the end. Um, the timestamp will be on the Spotify or, you know, the whatever uh, channel that you use to get your podcast. So you can find that and have a little skip through if you want. But I would highly recommend sticking around for the entire show. We've got uh, just before to go, we, just before we go into the recap, we have got to always thank our sponsors, ZCZ Films and our Patreon subscribers. Um, I don't know if people saw actually a little bit of stuff going on with SB Nation during the week. A lot of websites have been told that they're leaving SB Nation, um, which actually follows ourselves. Hopefully Sim doesn't mind me saying this, but ourselves being told that we need to vacate basically in a, well, I don't know when actually, that's kind of the fun part of it. But um, that's kind of where our resources and time and effort are going into at the moment. So hopefully um, all those uh, lovely people putting their hands in their pockets for a little bit of a tip um, will see the fruits of that labour. Right then, let's go on to the recap and talk about Stoke away game. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras. Right then, Ben. We uh we went to Stoke. We had sixty percent possession, and would you know, we didn't do very well with it. <laughs> it's probably the gist of the uh the Stoke game. It was maybe if you wanted to be charitable, you'd say it wasn't a kind of four nil defeat performance. I mean, it was only two nil until what the eightieth minute, and it probably was a two nil defeat performance, and it just didn't work, did it? Just nothing. Nothing about this game went right. Um, what for you kind of stood out as just stuff that Reading got badly wrong, basically? <laughs> um, I, I suppose how long have we got really on this podcast to, to go over it? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just complete trash, wasn't it? Uh, it, it I kind of expected us to, um, you know, do that typical thing where Stoke haven't been in good form at home, haven't been in form generally, really, and we turn up and, and we kind of let them in the game a bit and you know, it all gets a bit sort of nerve-wracking and we end up with a draw or whatever. That that would have been fine for us, keep us ticking over. But to to capitulate in terms of the four goals was was really um I say unforgivable, that's a bit dramatic, but it, it, it just it was it was very, very poor all round. And you know, you're right to say we had sixty percent possession, 
Um, but when you're playing a midfield three that are basically identical to each other, you'd kind of expect that to happen, really. It's it's very, very difficult to keep defending these um, away performances and these kind of away results. You know, this is the fourth or third time that we've had a 4-0 reverse this season. <clears throat> and quite honestly, it's it's getting boring now. Um, we, you know, we're not, we don't seem to be able to compete when we're, uh, when we're bullied a little bit, we, we don't seem to be able to um, to stand up to teams properly away from home, and it, it's something that ultimately has, has got to change. You know, we're talking about a team that that in in us has, has got a very very good home record, but we go away and it and it all falls apart. And 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 the worrying thing is that they're so Jekyll and Hyde these performances that you wonder if this is going to be the norm until the the end of the season. Really, um, I, I thought you know the team selection wasn't. Too odd, apart from the you know the the, the three players that I mentioned in in Hendrik Loom and, and Fauna, but we just showed very very little imagination. Um, and when you've got you know the supposed experience at the back there, you, you should be dealing with those um, you know with the goals that we can see a lot better. Really, it it really was very very poor. Um, and I think you know as, as you made the point, it was two 0 what on fifty seven fifty eight minutes something like that. But when you've got you know, when you're still in the game at that point, you've still got sort of, you know, half an hour to to try and do something, to then not do anything for 20 minutes until we can see that on the 80th is, is yeah, it, it was baffling. It really, really was. And all due respect to Dwight Gale, but I don't think he scored in something like 50 games until he came up against us. So it kind of, everything that went wrong, went wrong, really. Um, and it, it it's not, you know, it's not just a one-off. And I think that's the concerning thing about this now. And obviously we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in a minute about Inter's comments, but, you know, the whole day just just smacked of of, of last year. Um, so, yeah, very, very frustrating, very disappointing. And, and ultimately at the moment, very, very concerning with the trip that we've got this weekend coming up. It, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be quite quickly back into this run of form that, that we don't want to be in, basically. Yeah, there's um, there are some parallels we've had with recent seasons. It feels to me a little bit more like the season before, although that obviously did end up with nearly getting in the playoffs. Um, in a minute, I'll go through the stats for that, but I want to go into a bit more about the performance first because, as you say about the lineup, for me, I mean Andy Cowell's injured. I mean Hutchinson and Saar weren't available. These things happen. It just felt to me, and it's felt to me like this has kind of been bubbling under for a long time now that. Having Yeard on Holmes and McIntyre as a back three is so lightweight. And then you've got Hoylett and Rahman on the side, and it's it's just flimsy. That as a back five, you've got kind of one good central defender in there and a good wing back. And I, I mean, let's face it, I I mean, I feel bad saying it, but I just think Barbara Rahman's just not very good at this, even at this level. I know he's come from Chelsea and everything. I know he's probably got ambitions to get back higher than this, but I don't know, the championship, maybe maybe he'd suit playing abroad in a top league or something, not, not to get too kind of old-fashioned about it, but in the championship, too flimsy as a left-back. Hoylet as a right wing-back should not be our first choice. That should be like a, you know, we've got Scott Dan on the bench. Play him at centre-back and put Yeardham out right. Play three proper centre-backs, I think. And, and that kind of is a bit part of it for me. The possession... I'm interested to know what you think you'd you'd rather do in this scenario. Because yes, yeah, Stoke let us have the ball. So would you rather 
us knock around the ball until we give it up and lose it, or maybe try and do better with it. You know, we've got a couple of players who can play play with the ball, although not many. Or would you actually, if they're going to let us have the ball, why don't we just knock it long anyway? Why don't we play our game and just lump it up front? We've got Yakumese there, who's not had the best season. And maybe this is Ince got kind of done in this game, because if he plays... Tom Ince deeper instead of someone like Fauna or Loom and then has Mate and Long or Mate and Jab there, you have that option of just knocking it long each time, don't you? But with Mate up against three centre-backs, we couldn't do that. So in one sense, it is kind of, you know, if we had Andy Carroll, etc. But on the other hand, it's, it, Paul Ince, I do think he got done a little bit in this game. Well, I think he tried to be too clever without actually being clever because, as you say, if, if, if you're going to play it long, which they probably should have done in that game, just play Jao. I know he's got his detractors. I know people don't like him. I know he's not player of the month. But why would you play Ince, who is uh, has been our well our best player, full stop, to be honest. Um, but but you know certainly our most creative midfielder. Why would you play him up front in a game like this when he's going to get very very little service? He's not going to be able to get the ball on the ground and take people on and and kind of thread balls through, which is which is what his game is built around. So why you wouldn't play Jao in this situation, I don't know. I mean, you, you make a really good point about, you know, to going back to the fence, about Dan not playing. I mean, he clearly doesn't rate him or he clearly doesn't trust him to be able to, to see out even the first half of the game at the moment with his injury problems. And then Benke as well. It, it, it just, you know, on paper, it, it should have worked. But time and again, you know, <laughs> these things don't. And as much as I love him, again, you're right, Mark, we should have been relying on on Julia Hoyler at, you know, 30 plus or whatever he is to be a, a first choice wing back. It, it's just nonsense. It really is. And I know that we've had injuries. We've had injuries for two, three seasons, but there must be some other options that we can bring through in, in games like this that, that will at least give us a bit more fight and a little bit of grit and, you know, just, just be aggressive. You, you know, sort of Rahman is, is not the player that he was. I'm not sure why he came back in the first place, really. I think he was a good morale boost when we were, you know, when we were sort of starting the season when he came back this year. But he's not been good enough, anywhere near good enough for, for let alone our team, but but for the league. And and really it's 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 down to recruitment again. You know, we on paper again we brought in some good players, but it it's just not worked, you know, with Hutchinson. It's it it's pointless. It it's almost now a situation where you're thinking, can the season end now? Because you know, we've got players that are already, what are we coming into February, they're limping through the season and we're we're sort of patching it up again. So it's it's very, very frustrating, really. And I think, you know, yet again, we're in a situation where we've got a manager who doesn't know his best 11, even when they're all fit. And that's a concern because, you know, you're looking at the bench, obviously, Dan, we talked about Guinness Walker probably should have started in this game and Benge should have started in this game. Jao should have started in this game. And then you've got Aziz and Long as well. So it, it's not like we haven't got the options there, but why he went with with that back three, I I don't know. And certainly for me, the biggest bugbear is that is that midfield three because it, you know, we we talk about the wing backs and defence, but that midfield is is it, just awful. It's just absolutely ridiculous the way that they've performed this season as individuals as a unit. So to play all three of them are baffling. It really is, um, and that's that's the concern really is that there is a sneaking suspicion now or more of a suspicion that he he doesn't really know what he's doing tactically. And I think, you know, long term, that is that is going to be a real issue for us moving forward. 
Yeah, well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about the long term now, just to finish off the recap, because I know we, I mean, we could go through the goals and everything, but I don't think anyone really listens to this podcast for an analysis of the four goals that Reading conceded this week. So let's just—I'll I'll lay out some stats, and we'll kind of say whether we are kind of a little bit concerned or what have you. But I mean, obviously, we're concerned about how concerned we are. So since October the third, and I appreciate that that's a bit of an arbitrary date that makes Reading look bad, but it's still a date. So um, 17 games were played. We've won four of those 17 in the league, conceded 27 goals, and we would be 22nd. So that's by definition uh, relegation form since the start of October, basically, which is a quite considerable period of time now. All season, in terms of away form, we're 23rd in the league, worst defence, and yet we've got the 22nd uh, lowest number of goals scored. So we're not even, it's not even that we're going away and we're throwing all our eggs in one basket and just going mental and attacking people. We are just doing everything badly. And I suppose the defence has come about because of three or four 4 nil defeats. But I mean, one 4 nil defeat in a season, you kind of accept, particularly at our level. But Three or four now, but teams like Rotherham and Stoke, you're starting to, you know, that's not acceptable, basically. And yet, it is important to say that we're 11 points clear of the drop zone, only five off the playoffs. I mean, is this season, you know, it's still relatively, not that far past halfway. Is there actually a genuine fear in you that we could drop into a relegation battle or are we just going to... Is this going to be one of those seasons like when uh, we, we've had it with Paunovic before and I remember like when Steve Clark's been in charge and stuff and we've had a, a good start, looked kind of okay for a few weeks and then ultimately just kind of simmered into like 18th and that's just been where our level is and, you know, the last four weeks, say four weeks, the last six to eight weeks of the season have effectively been dead. I... <sighs> It's, it's, a, it's a big statement to make. I, I, I'm going to stick my neck out and say I don't think we're going to get relegated. Um, I, th- I think we've got more about us this season in terms of characters. And I know people listening to this will roll their eyes because you can't build a football club on characters. There needs to be a balance of tactical awareness, talent, everything else. But there is there is more about us this season that that I've seen and, and I guess other people have seen for me to to know that, that we or, or be fairly convinced that we're going to stay up. Couple with the fact that there are some truly awful teams in the league. You know, Wigan, uh, Blackpool aren't, aren't looking great. You know, Huddersfield probably are going to be there or thereabouts as well. So I, I really don't see us getting dragged too much into that. My concern is that all the work, all the all the goodwill that, that Paul Lentz has banked becomes undone uh, when we, you know, if, if, if this keeps going and, and we end up sort of losing games you know, by by sort of the same margins that we did on Saturday, really. Um, the the concerning thing, really, for me was was last Saturday against QPR because, you know, we're up against a team that have won one in thirteen, and by the end of the game, they were they were playing like prime Barcelona against this. It it really was, you know, having been two 0 up at home, just see the game out, and we let them back in, and there was those kind of, on on one hand, you're thinking, well, you know, last season we would have lost that game. You know, the mentality would have caved, but there are still fragilities there. And and that's a lot of that stuff that happened last week was basics. It's the same with, with this Saturday. It is just basics. 
you know, we're not getting absolutely smashed by teams, but we're just making it far too easy for them. Um, we're not being tactically uh, clever in, in the way we're setting the teams up. We're not kind of managing the game, you know, within the 90 minutes to be able to get something out of it. And, and really, you know, the, the most concerning thing of all, and we're, we're, not, we're not quite in Pownay territory yet, but, you know, into his pension for kind of throwing players under the bus. Yeah, the players were bad. But I honestly think this is a coaching issue, a tactical issue, rather than the players have suddenly become terrible. There are some good players in there. We've got better players than we had this time last year, uh, certainly in the way that they're performing anyway. And I, I, I really do worry when he comes out with the sort of stuff that he came out with, you know, post-game on Saturday, this kind of, they did this, they've done this. It should be we, really. He's part of that. You know, him saying he's not going to apologise to people. Well, I think he probably should. And I think he probably should start apologising to the players, certainly in private, and, and coach them in a slightly different way. I'm really just stepping up to what, you know, we want our, our manager to be at this football club. I've, I, you know, I've said time and again I like him. So I like him as a character. I like him as a bloke. You know, he, he's very, very good with the fans. And every time I've met him, he's always been, you know, nothing less than than charming, really. But ultimately, Saturday was was on him. And, and we've said this, you know, and, and you guys on the, on the pod have said it as well throughout the season. There have been times when we've lost games because of his decision-making. And for him to come out and say, I could have swapped all 10 uh, at, at half-time and then not make a sub until, what, 65, 66 minutes? It's just bizarre. It's really bizarre. If it's not working at half time, change one, change two. You know, try and go after the game a little bit, but to not do anything for that period of time and then turn around and go, well, I could have swapped them all. What what was he open to happen? <laughs> you know, in that time, but it wasn't suddenly going to change and, and flip on its head if if fresh blood wasn't going to come onto the pitch. So it, he's got to be careful, really, and for, for me in terms of the way that he's he's saying these things. And, you know, the icing on the cake, and, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, was to say that this coming week against United doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> 3,000 fans have just paid £46 for a ticket, plus travel expenses, to be told, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a nothing game. Well, it's, it's not to our fans, put it that way. And that's that stuff really does irk the fan base. You know, whether you're going up to Manchester or not, that's, that's not a good um, soundbite to have coming out of the manager of this football club. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's hear from let's hear the sound bites of the manager. Actually, we have got the the clip of Paul Nitz talking to the uh, club after the game, and then we'll be going into the mailbag and hearing from you guys on social media. Three goals we've given today by our defensive mistakes, uh, and that's disappointing for me. It really is. It's probably the first time that you know they've probably let me down, you know, or we've let the fans down, or we've let the club down. Apart from maybe Rotherham at the start of the season, but. Um, um, I think today was the first time we let our fans down. You know, for us, we have to be competitive for us to, <clears throat> you know, win second balls. But what we can't do, we can't just give away mistakes like we did defensively. And that's what we did. And we, we allowed them to get, we allowed the fans to get up. And uh, then we have them to, you know, make four subs to try and change the game. For all the latest Reading news, analysis and opinion, visit the website at thetilehurstend.com. Right, as always, you can get in touch with us via the Twitter, the Facebook, and the email. Alan Scott has done just that. He's emailed the thetylerstand.gmail.com saying, does anyone have a stat on how many goals we've gifted teams this season because of our mistakes? Reducing the mistakes is what's needed to give us consistency if we're ever going to improve. So frustrating. Um, 
I mean, um, unfortunately, I don't have a stat on that. I mean, it's it, I always find that personally, the stats for mistakes that lead to goals are a little bit kind of convoluted because what one person considers a mistake might not be considered a statistical mistake or you might give the ball away a minute before a goal or whatever. So I don't have the stat, but I think that kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the basics and the Stoke game, particularly the first goal was so frustrating to find ourselves in that scenario. The Paul Ince has generally kind of, you know, he's ironed out a lot of the issues of just giving the ball away near our own goal. So um, it was totally frustrating. Um, on the topic of substitutions, which um, Ben touched upon a minute ago, Eddie Corr saying, if Paul Ince wished he could sub all 11 players at half time, why were there no changes until 70 minutes? Um, which I think is literally what you just said, Ben. <laughs> um, Dean Bennett saying, why does Ince never take any responsibility for his results? The way he sets us up isn't helping um, him or the team succeed. He keeps chucking the players under the bus. And if I was a player and the manager kept chucking me under the bus, it wouldn't want me to make me play for him. And Chris Baker saying, will Ince's refusal to take any responsibility if a result goes poorly be his undoing in the next six months? Well, I mean, supposedly he's got a three-year contract, although, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know what the circumstances around that or any clauses in that are. Um, I, I, I think this is a thing for me with Ince is that, I completely agree with what everyone said. I think that I, I recall, I think it's a, one of those Amazon documentaries with maybe Man City where Guardiola or someone was saying like in the dressing room, he's saying like, I will defend you to the earth in front of the media, but in the dressing room, I will deliver some home truths and you may not like it and everything. And that's kind of the way that it's always made sense to me is that I, th- I think it was... I mean, this is a little bit of a throwback, but kind of on topic for this week. You know, remember watching Sir Alex Ferguson in his interviews after games? How many times did you see him throw his players under the bus? If he if his players play badly, how many times was that the referee's fault or even the journalist's fault or some such nonsense where he would just completely take and Mourinho as well is another one who in his Chelsea years was really good at that. Do you know what I mean? Like I've always felt like that's the better way yeah. of doing it. I think it's basic leadership, Mark, isn't it? You know, it's protect the group at all costs. And it's not just in. It seems to be the the way in which, you know, Russell Martin did it when we beat them uh, over Christmas. He was straight on there and saying his players were weak and they went aggressive and they, you know, I think he said soft underbelly or something along those lines. It seems to be that, you know, modern managers these days feel like they're going to win over fans by, by slating the players. And really, you know, it sounds obvious, but the manager needs a player to go and do the business on the pitch, regardless of what they've told them. They need to go out and get the points. The manager can't go and win the points. So I never understand that from a, from a leadership point of view, why you'd go after your own players. And, it, I, you know, to be fair to Wentz, when we played well, he, he literally heaps praise on the players. He, you know, he talks about them being brilliant. Um, not quite Harry Redknapp, terrific territory, but he's he's along those lines, you know. But this this whole kind of this knee jerk response, and and we've talked about this before, haven't we? About managers not giving interviews straight after the game, and and players having a bit of time to breathe before they talk to the media. But Paul Ince is classic for that. You know, you think about some of the great managers we've had at the club, and and they never used to to criticise the players. You know, that's the fans' job, really, isn't it? To be honest, it's it's very very difficult to. To justify, you know, we, we as fans, we don't need to be told when the players play badly. We know that. We know which players play well. We know which players don't play well. 
we've got our favourites, we've got our non-favourites. But for the manager to come out and, and kind of always behave like a fan in that moment is is not good. Um, and it's you know it's, it's all all well and good for for them to, as I said, heap praise when when they've done well. But there needs to be a little bit of protection. There really does for for some of these players. Some of them are still young. Some of them are still learning their trade. Ultimately, they they don't need to be hung out to dry like that. And and what's worse is he's then going back into training, you know, on the Monday or the Tuesday or whatever, expecting to get a result. And and if I was there, as as you know, one of the one of the guys that have just kind of written in has said, I, it wouldn't want to make me want to want to get out and and play for him and and do as, as best I can when he said the things he said on on the Saturday after the game. So. There's a balance, which I, I, I don't think for me he's, he's, he's kind of striking particularly well at the moment. Yeah, and I get that. I think as well um, that my, my kind of slight thoughts on the Russell Martin, Paul Lynch stuff is that maybe it's the fact that these players uh, of the noughties and the 90s predominantly um, and kind of the early 10s as well, where football was a lot more blood and guts, like blood and thunder, that, that sort of stuff. It was like as hard, you work as hard as you can. And the technical stuff isn't really what you were trained to do. You were trained to be, you know, as fit as, as possible. And Paul Lintz is a very good example of that, of course. Russell Martin probably is as well, actually. He wasn't the most technical right back in the world, but, you know, gave his everything. And that was kind of the point. These days, players, you know, just to take our academy, for example, are much more technically savvy. And I guess... In theory, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. If they're training their technique when they're 15, they're not training their lunging slide tackles as much. So maybe it's a bit of a generational thing. Um, I'd have to be, you know, a, a man or football player with that generation to, to prove that. But that's that's my thoughts. And the only other thing I'd have to say on the Paul Ince thing is that I think what Chris Baker says is that the fear is that there's going to be a bad atmosphere over towards the end of the season if Reading continue to drop off maybe have a bit of a flirt with relegation or something I think 11 points at this stage is pretty comfortable it's about as comfortable as it is for any team um, in this league so that's just the fear and if it gets to the summer then there's a unanimous-ish feeling among the fans that Paul Lintz is not the man to take us forward then as you're saying that hard work that has been done over the past 12 months to bring us back into a into favor after the Paunovic debacle there's a danger there isn't there really for that being lost so a few more questions to get through then dw he asked about the int stuff as well about the subs Ince taking a, an ounce of blame. He also says, why doesn't Ince want to turn to Mbengue? Dean Bennett also tweeted us saying, what does Mbengue have to do to start a game? He signed up to a new deal saying how delighted he was that he chose to keep developing at Reading, but then he doesn't get picked. It's very odd. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just agree with that. I think that there's, it, like I said earlier, the fact that we're playing Hoyler as a kind of first choice right back. Yeardom as a centre-back, I just don't like. I just want him out on the flank and doing what he does. And having Mbengue next to him, I think, would probably be a good idea. Or, you know, whether it's Mbengue on the right, I guess, isn't that bad either. So, even into midfield again, I would just rather him be there than Loom or someone that's, a, you know, I, 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 I am a bit baffled by it. But I guess I do feel like it's not a kind of personal thing. I do feel like Mbengue will be back at some point. Like, it's, we've obviously not seen the last of him. No, not at all. I, you know, the lads uh, reading between the lines made a really good point on their pod um, last week, week before, and basically, you know, there was there was they had a big chat about Ince not liking um, players making mistakes, and you know they, they talked about 
Mate missing the penalty. They talked about uh, Guinness Walker in one of the games earlier in the season getting bombed out for two, three months or whatever he was missing for. Um, so, you know, Ince has got previous here. And I, I don't want us to turn into a podcast of us bashing him because that's not the case. But there are fundamentals that he's getting wrong. And, and one of them is is really, I feel, and, and I, I would agree with, as I said, that, you know, reading Between the Lines um, podcast, is that he doesn't forgive players particularly easily. You know, Ajaru is a slightly different issue here. That's, that's you know, it's a completely separate box altogether. But some of the players really need need to be given a bit more of, of love publicly, as we said previously. But also being given that second chance is a lot quicker because, you know, you, you make a mistake, it's much easier to get back out there, get back on the horse and, and get on with your job to, to get over that. If you're not given that opportunity, that mistake will just kind of bowl through your head and it will stay there and things will get worse. So I, I think there is there is definitely, um, you know, a track record of him getting frustrated with players and, and almost cast them aside, but not giving them the opportunity to to put that um to put that right. You know, and on that note, I'd expect a fully changed team for uh, for for Man United on Saturday because they all didn't they all made the um all made the mistake and not doing the basics. So, you know, that'll be that'll be interesting to see who he picks on Saturday for for what is essentially in his words a nothing game. Yeah, for sure. We'll be talking about that one a bit later on. Then Benjamin Vickers saying, who would buy Obi Ajaria? Why did his form drop off a cliff? Um, I think supposedly the reports are that he's been told he can leave. He is in training apparently and fit, but not included at all, which puts us in a very interesting scenario given, I mean, the bench isn't bad. It's not like we're lacking players as we spent half the podcast saying about. So, I mean, for me, I just think that Ajaria is just a player who... just don't know who would take him. I think that's the problem because League One, I mean, unless we're literally willing to let him go for nothing on the hope that he picks up some form that we can sell him in the summer. Um, yeah, I just can't see it, unfortunately. I think that maybe, probably the most likely scenario is that if he doesn't go in this month, then he'll get given a chance to come back into the team um, and prove himself again. Loyal Royal, last question of the week then saying, Great to get that performance out of the system. So the question is, who do we want in round five of the FA Cup? I'm hoping for Man City away. Uh, Royal, obviously, looking forward to driving up to Old Trafford for an 8pm start and quite fancy and doing it all again, basically, in the fifth round if we get through. Um, I mean, my 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 dream tie eventually will get one, Ben, is to have like a Swindon or Oxford or an Aldershot away from home. But it just it doesn't feel like that's ever going to happen. No, we haven't we haven't been great, obviously, in a cup for for a little while, and and the draws that we've had have, you know, with all due respect to, to Watford, have either been uninspiring at home, or or we get ties that we don't want away. Um, anyone think that we're really demanding and picky when it comes to our cup ties, which I would argue to the death that that is not the case. But you're right, a, a local derby would be brilliant, um, and just just to get I don't know, just to get people back in a stadium and buzzing. Honestly, would have settled for, for you know for a Premier League side at home just to get the fans back and you know seeing how how without contradicting myself how we have been playing or can play this season. You know, you think back to sort of the Blackburn game and the Norwich game at home. We were we were really good in those games. Um, obviously we've had our blips, but you know just getting people back and excited about the club again would just be brilliant after so many years of of just trash basically. So um yeah I would I would have loved a, a big side at home just to get the numbers back. But um yeah we'll we'll have to settle for a 
a journey up to Old Trafford on on Saturday for now and and see if we can uh, by some miracle squeak through that one. Yeah, that's the dream, squeaking through. Is the absolute, I mean, we might have a replay. We might take them back. I mean, I think there are replays in the fourth round of the Cup. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, no, there are. Yeah, that, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a bad result, would it, taking them back here? They've got a hell of a lot of games in the next few weeks. They've got like... I think they're playing every midweek until March, so I don't know when this replay could take place. But uh, yeah, that could be a bit interesting, couldn't it? Um, right, let's get into some news bites now, catch you up on what's been going on around the club this week. And then we'll get into that Man United game. You're listening to the Tilehurst End Podcast by Reading fans for Reading fans. Well, let's start with the under-21s because they played today and they played Charlton in the uh, Professional Development League. Um, players included in that lineup: uh, Boyce Clark sort of in goal, um, Michael Craig still playing, um, Ava Choman, Jamari Clark starting as well. Um, Camera is on the bench, not really seen much of him this season, have we? Nelson Abbey as well, also included. Um, Jamari Clark got the first goal, then it was Adrian Akande and Kian Levy. So a 3-0 win against Charlton for the under-21s, which is good. The under-18s didn't play this weekend. They lost 5-4 to Ipswich a week ago, having, um, and then next week they host Colchester, that's on the 28th. And the women, they were in action at home to Manchester United, and conceded an 87th minute winner. Did save a penalty before that, actually. And Man United are, you know, basically one of the teams challenging for the title this uh, season. So very good effort to almost get a point out of that game. Would have been a really good point. They've got Leicester away in the FA Cup on Sunday. So, uh, Ben, you were down in that game. What do you think of the uh, the women's team and their performance against Man United? I thought they were good. Yeah, I mean, before going to it, I think Man United deserved to to win the game on a balance of play, really. Um, first off, I, th- I thought they were very, very good. Or I thought we were very good. You know, Harry's was was sharp up front. McCandy was was superb at the back, absolutely domineering at the back. She really was fantastic. Um, you know, Woodham again had a, had a really good game at left back, sort of getting forward and trying to slot little balls through here and there. Um, but we just didn't didn't have enough in terms of having that confidence to take the strike when we needed to. Um, you know, the, the, the overall, I thought the performance was good. And I, I think that there are green shoots there for, you know, for, for Kelly and, and and the team, certainly. Um, there, was a, there was a good crowd there as well. A lot of them were Man United fans. So I don't think we can go on too much about having a, a home attendance record when a lot of them were opposition fans, to be honest. But, you know, it was, it was really good to see, um, you know, a lot of people down there and, you know the players were feeding off that as well. There was there was a lot of confidence in that team, and and ultimately they were, you know, they looked like they were good for the point, but just to concede right at the end there was was you know really disheartening. So hopefully they can brush that off and and keep going in in the league, and obviously the cup competitions are still in. So yeah, look, it was it was a lot better than I've seen them play previously this season. Um, still a bit of work to do to to kind of get themselves back up the table, but. There was um, there was a lot of positives in the play, and I think the way they certainly kept the ball and and tried to make things happen um, was was a real positive for the for the side. Yeah, for sure, and hopefully there can be a bit of a, a bit of a cup run would be nice so get up against a lesser team that aren't um, well they're not doing particularly well in a. In their season, are they? So there's hopefully a bit of a bit of a chance there to get um get a good win away from home next week, and then yeah, a bit of a cup run would certainly be good. Right then, let's talk about some cup runs. 
talk about the Cup Run Reading of only just at the start act as we go to Manchester United on Saturday. Be loud and be proud and back the boys and make some noise. Come on, you ours! Shout out to this week's podcast sponsor, ZCZ Films, showing that age is no barrier to being a hooli hoop. So it is Saturday, January 28th, an 8pm kickoff, and it's live on ITV4. So uh, pretty big, I'd say, for Reading going to Manchester United in the FA Cup. Uh, it's the fourth round tie. It is our 16th game against Man United in the FA Cup, and we've won one of them so far. So I'd take like a 1 in 15 chance of winning this. That probably feels about right, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, that was in 1927 when we won that game. Um, this, I mean, it's 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 a bit of a diff- interesting one, isn't it, Ben? Because this is a bit of fun. You know, it's a good day out, although we have been there twice in the last five years, I think it is. And for FA Cup ties, that's kind of a lot. So it feels, it doesn't feel particularly fresh. We've obviously been there in the league a few times as well back in the day. So it's a bit of fresh. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit of something different and a big game and everything. Is there perhaps a little sense that, you know, of trepidation with this, a little sense that maybe this hasn't come at the right time for us, that we're maybe not, you know, on the verge of causing an upset. And if if we felt like we were going to cause an upset, how would we do it? Um, well, I think, um, unfortunately, with these games, it, it largely depends on who they don't play in their team. Um, I, you know, I was looking at their fixture list. Obviously, they play Forest on Wednesday, don't they, in the, in the Carabao Cup. And, you know, realistically, what they what they put out as their starting eleven will go a long way to, or, or, or part way anyway, to explaining and, and kind of helping us work out who they who they will play against us on, on Saturday. Um Honestly, with with this kind of game, I think it's more about what they do rather than what we don't do because it, it, whichever team we play, we're going to be up against it um, in terms of personnel. I would I would like to see some of the youth players take part because I think, and I hate the phrase, but it's good experience. You know, we, there is not a Reading fan alive that isn't going to be expecting anything out of this. So without going down that cliche of just kind of enjoying the occasion and stuff there's there's possibilities here for those youth players to to get something out of it and take that forward into next season when you'd really like to see them pushing for you know for claiming places in, in the starting 11 and, and and match their squad so for me it, it it's more about you know going there and and, and not rolling over and, and giving a good account of ourselves and that's very difficult to say when we've lost 4-0 to Stoke, who have one of the worst home uh, records in the league at the moment. So it I don't want to say it can't be any worse than it was on Saturday, because obviously it can from a scoreline point of view. But I just hope that we don't completely embarrass ourselves and, and give a good account of ourselves. Um, if we get through by some miracle, then it becomes one of the greatest results we've had in, in recent years, possibly decades. Um, but you know, everyone will be expecting us to, to to lose that game probably quite heavily. So, if we can um, if we can keep it to nil, that'd be really good. I think, to be honest, yeah. uh, we'll we'll see. Look, we'll see. It's 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 one of those games. It's happening. We're going to get on with it. I, I'm going to ignore what Paul Ince said about you know it not mattering because it does matter. Every game matters to to our fans and and should matter to the players. But it's it's an opportunity 
for some of those players to to really give it a go and and kind of express themselves in a completely different environment, you know, away from the league. When I, I think that when Paul Ian says it's a nothing game, I have a feeling that's him kind of taking the pressure off of his own players and of the obviously the performance and the team, um, because ultimately, obviously, you know, they're not expecting to get a result there. But the, the question for me with this team selection is: Do we go with our experienced pros? Do we play? Scott Dan at the back, Shane Long, maybe Junior Hoylett, you know, Hendrick in the middle. Or do we go kind of a bit more risky and play Femi Aziz uh, and Benge, bring him back in? Uh, maybe, I mean, I presume Boosnitz is going to start. Have Guinness Walker maybe as the left back. Do you kind of go with that idea a bit more, something a bit fresh, a bit of energy, players who haven't played there before? Or do you think that I mean, obviously, Shane Long has played at Old Trafford a few times now. And generally speaking, I don't think he's a player that they fear, but he's a player who's played at Old Trafford. So he knows what he's doing and he won't be, you know, he'll he'll just get on with it a bit more. Which which do you think is the better route to take? Because I would probably say the experience side would be what I started with. Yeah, there is an element of that. But yeah, it depends how deeply you want to think about it and how, how deeply Paul Lynch thinks about it. Because... There will be players within that squad that he knows, you know, either contractually or from a personnel point of view, they won't want to be here next season and they'll be leaving. You know, Hendrick probably won't be with us next year. So is he taking up a spot that, I mean, wild card, it won't happen, but someone like Kamara could play? Or um, is it an opportunity for Fauna to, to try and stake his claim in the midfield for the rest of the season if he plays? So... There is an element here of, of Paul Lynch trying to redeem himself as a as a tactician and coach, if that's possible, by picking a, a, a really good blend of of players. What I don't want to see is kind of like for like, where he goes, right, well, this is a squad we had for Stoke and this is the squad that we're going to take up to Manchester United and this is the squad that's going to play. Because A, they've just lost 4-0 and B, it doesn't really bring anyone on. You know, you, you'd like to see some of those success stories from... Watford, you know, obviously a Brafer who we, who we were raving about and had a great game. You know, Craig was was in and around the team and, and came on for like the last 10 or 15 minutes, if I recall. So there's players there that, that would benefit from being part of that experience. But it's only worth putting them in the squad if there's plans to give them, you know, minutes on the pitch. Because it's, it's a you know, if you've never been to, to Old Trafford, it's a very, very different way. You know, it's, it's a fabulous ground. It really is you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest in the world. And it's a very, very different environment to, you know, <laughs> playing Rotherham away or whatever. Um, so it, it really does need to be a balance. Um, I, I don't really want to see Hendrick in the team because I don't see the point. Does Long play? Maybe. Um, you know, he, he might offer something different up front, but... A lot of these players, again, are, are kind of like for like, really. If if he's going to really spring a surprise, he wants to see those players that maybe they might have missed slightly on the scouting side of it or whatever. Um, but whether or not they're they're comfortable enough and confident enough to do that, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be... I think the team selection is going to be more interesting than the actual game itself at this point because he, he's got to try and do something to arrest the last few games whilst making sure that we don't get completely destroyed up there. Um and it's it's going to be a, a difficult job this week, I think, to to get that balance right. You know, obviously they had an under twenty one game today, and I, I saw Noel Hunt talk about those players being involved in the squad. Well, how many did you take? Um, you know, you can't take them all, 
and you've got to think about positions and, and areas that, that we're lacking in in terms of weakness at the moment. So it's it's going to be um, it's going to be an interesting week for them on the training pitch, and I'm hoping that that there's a there's a few surprises in the in the starting eleven for us that that we can kind of pin our hopes on and, and really get behind the team. Yeah, and obviously so much of it, as you said a minute ago, so much of it does depend on what United do. Um, it's a semi-final first leg. They've got to do away in Nottingham Forest, and then they've got, I mean, a lot of games going up really. So that they've got the second semi-final, second leg of the semi-final a few days after the Wednesday after they play us. So in there somewhere, you know, they will be resting players, and we're kind of the prime candidate in that sense as well. To be fair. So it makes a lot of sense for them to be thinking about, you know, where they can, who they can take out, whether it's Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Anthony. Like, I mean, are we going to be up against Wout Weghorst? I kind of think we are. Maybe Sancho comes back against us or something like that, which would be quite interesting to see. Um, and I'm sure that the fans going up would like to see those players. I mean, I would not like to face Marcus Rashford at all at the moment. And that's, I would be saying that if I was like a Barcelona fan, it's just not something that, you know, Rashford on the left, I guess we probably have like Yeardom and Hoylet doubling up on him, which maybe if they were then to double up themselves and have four of those players, they'd kind of have a chance of stopping Rashford at the moment. But I mean, I kind of think that those sort of players won't necessarily be playing against us. So it's going to be really interesting to see what both teams do isn't it? And I, I don't think that we'll be playing a team of kids, but yeah, there's always that chance that, you know, Tom Ince won't be playing for us or something like that. We don't, I don't know if Andy Cowell and players are back um, injury-wise. That's going to be something that we'll find out later in the week. But I mean, you know, I I, I watched the Man United versus Charlton game in the Cabal Cup a few weeks ago, and they genuinely weren't that good, United, until Rashford came on and scored two goals late in injury time, and that kind of killed the game. And I suppose that's the that's what we're clinging on to, isn't it? It's the sense that United just don't get going. The atmosphere's a bit flat. Nothing kind of, nothing's necessarily clicking for them. We're looking pretty solid. And then we, I mean, ultimately, we're just looking at a set piece or, or a stunning counter-attack, aren't we? Yeah, and it, it, it's how how much we concentrate if if the game goes like that. You know, we, we do have a penchant of switching off. QPR game is a classic example of that where we gave the ball away too much and then they they came on to us, you know, like a hot rash. So it's it's really how much we're able to concentrate and and really manage the game properly. Um it it, it really will be interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the game on <clears throat> on Wednesday against Forest and just kind of see how they line up. But you're right, that something's gonna have to give because they're they're fighting. I mean, obviously, you know, the Premier League is 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 probably beyond them now. But you know they're, they're still in other competitions and they're going to want to win as many as those as they can. But the, you know <laughs> the resources they've got are available are, are, are non-comparable to what we've got. So it's it will be interesting from a lineup point of view. Um, and if we get to you know we get to sort of seventy minutes and and the scores are level, you're hoping then that we can take them or bring them back to us for a replay just to kind of get more games in the legs and and kind of build that home form and and as I said earlier, get people back into the stadium. Um, you know, this is this is Reading Football Club in in 2023. Unfortunately, this is kind of where we are at the moment. Um, but look, it, it, it's a game that a lot of people will will go up and enjoy. I know a lot of families are going up there as well. You know, good on them for for going up there. Uh, there's been a lot of of criticism about people not being able to get tickets, but ultimately, from from my point of view, 
the club had tickets that they needed to get rid of Sharpish and they've done that. Any money is welcome money for us at the moment. And and we've got to kind of, you know, look at, look at where we are and, and what the priorities are. But I, I do feel that this, this will be a nice distraction for a weekend just to kind of, to see how the other half live and, and, and to see how much we, you know, how, how far we are away from competing with, with these kind of guys really. And, you know, I think I already know the answer, but it, it's just going to be nice to to see our players at least try and compete, you know, with with, with a club like United on a on what is essentially supposed to be a level playing field. Yeah, it'll be a good it'll be a good insight to how we'll fare in the Premier League next season. I think is probably the best way to uh, to end this preview. Exactly, um, that's exactly what I was going to say next. Yeah, and, let, sure. and let's not analyse that or ask any questions about why that might be a flawed sentence. We'll just move on and we'll finish the show with some predictions because we have the prediction league. Which Ben, you're winning at the moment, 21 points. Westy 19. Adam got a defeat against Stoke, so he's on to 18 now. Sim 16, handbags 14. I'm on 12 because I also said we'd lose to Stoke. Ollie bringing up the rear on eight points. So this, the cup games don't count towards our prediction league because there's already enough games to count towards that. We have a 46-game championship season. Uh, ben, you can have a first swing at the uh, United result then. Oh, God. I mean, my instant response was 3-1 United, but I just can't. It, I would take us scoring. That sounds right. Yeah. I just do I can I actually say that we're gonna lose the game even though we probably are? Yeah, go on then, three one United. I I think we'll score. I'd, I'd like to think we'll score anyway, just to make it worth the trip. Um <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm gonna go three one United. Yeah, well the star coaches are sold out. And I mean last week we did have a discussion with Paul and Mark and Star about the whole thing about how many tickets we were going to take and everything like that. If you want to go and find out why it's only 3,000 and such, that's in last week's episode. I won't hold you too much longer now for this week. But um, yeah, I'm going to go... Oh, I'm just going to go for a 4-0 defeat, unfortunately. That's just where I think it's going to be. I really think that um, we're going to kind of finish this game. I watched the... I was covering the Man City versus Wolves game on uh, Sunday... And I, at the end of that game, I looked back and Wolves had genuinely not threatened once. And I think that I'm probably going to look back after this Reading Man United game and think, when was our moment? And I'm not even sure there'll be one. And, I, you know, that's the, whether that's pessimistic or whatever, probably is because we've just lost 4 in at Stoke. Had we just won one at home or whatever, I'd think that we could scrap it out and such. But maybe we can, maybe that's what we'll do. But let's... Uh, Let's enjoy the ride nonetheless. And Ben, thank you very much for coming on this week's show. Pleasure. If you're, uh, if you're going up next week, enjoy it. Or this week, enjoy it. And um, yeah, we'll see you back on the 4th. Watford, is it? Watford at home? Yeah, we have the, uh, we've got the midweek free, at least after this game. So it means that there's no excuse for Paulins um, throwing everything he's got at this game. Um, yeah, we've got Watford at home on the 4th. We'll be back before that um, to review the Man United game and talk about the upcoming replay that we'll be playing against them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, if it wasn't on national TV, it'd be a free hit that you wouldn't even care about. I suppose maybe it's the audience that I'm kind of a little bit apprehensive about Reading embarrassing themselves in front of. But, I mean, who wants to talk about that? It's a game of football that Reading could go and make, you know, the best of memories. Hopefully the fans who go up there, particularly if you've not gone to Old Trafford before, highly recommend it. Genuinely, just a really, it's a bit of a 
experience in terms of just seeing all the merchandise out and everything like that i'm not saying i think it's better than reading or anything because i don't think it is for that but it's just a bit of an experience and it's a fantastic stadium great um hopefully a great atmosphere in the away end no doubt about that at all and yeah maybe we'll nick a goal and win it let's hope so come on you ass <laughs>